you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts, chapter 9. I've been thinking through this series that we've been going through, Give It Away. We've been talking about how we ought to not only be sharing our faith, but the things that hinder us from sharing our faith, things that, uh, reasons why we don't do it effectively. And as I was thinking through this, one of the things that came to my mind is one of the things I think all of us deal with is fear. And I remember as I was going through my notes, I found this passage in Acts chapter 9 that I think I mentioned some things about maybe a couple years back. But I want to talk to us this morning about Ananias, boldness amidst fear. Boldness amidst fear. You know, fear can be a crippling thing. Uh, For many years, I was completely afraid of the dark. Yeah, I know, big monster Ken Todd was afraid of the dark. Uh, I can remember as a kid that if my mom or dad sent me outside to get something, I wanted the biggest, brightest flashlight I could find. I was such a wimp. I mean, I'm telling you what, uh, I was afraid of it. I mean, I didn't know what, I mean, I'm telling you, growing up, we had a cemetery behind our house. And I was so afraid that something was going to happen. I remember one year that uh, I got this ball, this big, red, bouncy ball, and uh, my brother, just to irritate the fire out of me, I know you never had a sibling do that, but he was irritating the fire out of me, and he takes my red ball and threw it over the fence to the cemetery. I was not going in there to get that ball. I don't care. I'm not going in there. That was freaky. And uh, so since I couldn't get my ball or wouldn't get my ball, and he wasn't going to get it for me, I took his brand-new hammer that he got for his birthday, and I tossed the hammer over the fence. And then he looks at me and goes, why'd you do that? And I said, well, why'd you throw my ball over the fence? I was not going into the cemetery, and I especially wasn't going out at dark because that's where the cemetery was behind our house. I was afraid of it. But, you know, it doesn't just deal with physical things that we are afraid of. There are oftentimes spiritual things that we are afraid of. As I've said many times, we had a big bus ministry in my home church in Minnesota. And I remember as I came into my teenage years that one of the things that we learned to do was just go out visitation and invite folks to church. And I can remember, uh, you know, we had this pad phrase that we use. Hey, my name is Ken. I'm from Woodcrest Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, we have a bus route that comes through the area. And we would love to pick up your kids and bring them to church. Well, all of a sudden I knock on this door. And all of a sudden it hit me that that pad phrase is not going to work with this dude. Here I am, 16 years old. And this guy was a monster that filled the doorway. And all of a sudden it hit me that I don't think he really cares about our bus ministry that's come to pick up his kids that he may not have. I was scared to death that this big guy in a big black leather coat and hair halfway down his back, and I'm just thinking, ah, what am I doing here? And I can remember just looking at him, and all of a sudden the Spirit, the Lord took over, and he just said, you know, I said to him, I said, hey, I go to church up the road. And I'm shaking, by the way, scared to death. I said, hey, we have a church up the road, and we're just out inviting folks to church. And he goes, well, why do I need church? And I said, well, everyone needs church. I, I don't know. He said, everyone needs church. I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know what to say. I just, I think everyone needs church. So I said, everyone needs church. We'd love to have you come. Well, why? Well, you can learn about Jesus. Who's that? So at 16 years old, I looked at this guy and I realized that he doesn't know who Jesus is. And that was foreign to me. That was foreign to me. Who doesn't know who Jesus is? 
I mean, I've been in church since I was five years old. Everyone knows who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, the fear that I had just melted away. And I began to share with him how he could know Jesus. And at that moment, he said, well, how do I, how do I get Jesus? It's the only time in my life that someone just flat out said, how do I get Jesus? And I remember right then and there talking to him about praying, and he just simply prayed and asked Jesus to be a Savior. The fear that I had was subsided in a moment. Now, I went back the following week, and he had moved out and was gone, and I never saw him again. But it was an opportunity that God showed me that even my fear would dissipate if I'm doing what he asked me to do. Can I say that I'm always that bold? No. I wish I was. But in the text today, we see a man who is hesitant to do what God had asked him to do. In fact, mainly because he was afraid. And for good reason. But before we get into the specifics of the story, let's see what the text tells us about this man. So if you would, follow along as I begin reading in chapter 9, verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, To the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. Now you remember earlier in the chapter, as he's in the Damascus road, he sees a light and he's been blinded, and Ananias is telling him to go see this man so that he may help him regain his sight. Verse 13, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. He said, Lord, do you understand what you're asking me to do? Do you understand who this man is? Do you understand that he has a reputation? And remember that every one of us who has a reputation has a reputation for one reason. We've earned it. And as you look at his life, he had a reputation of not being a nice guy. Here's a man who has authority to take those who are of the way, those who are following Christ, and to bring them back and to throw them in prison or do whatever else that they chose to do with them. And you can see just for a moment why Ananias does not want to go to see this man. Now fill in the blank. What causes you to have fear? Why do we become hesitant at doing what God asks us to do? We'll get to that in just a moment. But going on here, he says, and I, uh, uh, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So here he's telling this man, this man who is called suffering, will he himself endure suffering? God says, I want you to go. You see, oftentimes we as men, maybe some of you women, we've got to have all the details first, don't we? I mean, I want to know how it's going to all be laid out. I want to know where the end point is. What's going to happen once I get there? How is it all going to work? How is it all going to fit together? But sometimes what God asks us to do doesn't make sense. I've said this many times. If I'm going into battle, I don't want pitchers and trumpets. I want guns, right? Gideon, I mean, bless your heart, but I, I want guns. But that's not how God works. I want fighter jets. And he says, no, I want you just to put the lights and the pitchers out and blow the horns. It doesn't make sense to me. 
But what I found out in my life is that oftentimes what God asks me to do doesn't always make sense at the very moment that he tells us to do it, right? So there's fear and there's hesitancy going on here. Verse 17, Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. So you see the change and the transformation that is beginning to take place in the life of Saul. God used Ananias to help him take those steps. Ananias had to make a decision. Either I'm going to go and do what God has asked me to do and help him regain his sight, or no, I'm going to sit back in fear and trembling and not do what God has asked me to do. So verse 21, all who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on the name and, and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? I mean, once again, he had a reputation. Isn't this that guy? How often does God open a door of opportunity for us, but we're afraid because of what we think we know about what's going to happen? Oftentimes, I think we're afraid of what might happen that we know will probably never happen, but just in case it might, I'm still going to be afraid about it. We're afraid of the unknown, so to speak. But Ananias took a step forward. Verse 22, but Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving Jesus is the Messiah. And after many days he had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plot, so they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But the disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. See, God's hand was on Saul. I wonder what God might do in and through some of us who would take that step of faith. Can you imagine just for a moment, just kind of just hypothetically, you're the man who led D.L. Moody to the Lord? Wow, wouldn't that be cool? You're the man that led C.H. Spurgeon to the Lord? You're the woman who led fill in the blank? What would God do in and through you if you would take that step of obedience and do what he asked you to do? Despite the fear, despite the unknown, despite thinking you don't have what it takes. Let's notice something about Ananias here. We see right away in verse 10. It says, there was a disciple. Let's stop right there. He was a disciple. So what is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows his master, learns everything that his master can teach him, and then puts into practice everything he has learned. That's a disciple. Let me say it one more time. A disciple is one who follows his master, learns everything that his master can teach him, and then puts into practice everything he has learned. Ananias was a disciple. He said, well, why is that important? Because if we claim to be disciples of Christ, that means we have to start learning from our master and doing what he tells us to do. We can make all kinds of excuses, but the bottom line is God wants us, as his disciples, to be obedient. The word master is the word curious, Lord. It means that the idea that I am a servant, I am a slave, and I'm doing everything that he's asked me to do. It really comes down to a matter of obedience. God wants us to be obedient. 
But in Christianity, we almost have, as it were, this smorgasbord of options that we want to implement into our Christian life. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, not so much of that one, but a little bit more of this, and we kind of create a set of guidelines by which we are willing to follow rather than just cart blank obedience. We have this pie here. We're going to give church this little portion, and we're going to get our life this little portion, and when the whole pie belongs to God. Amen? It's His. We're His. Our lives belong to Him. Remember 1 Corinthians 10? We were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are His. You were bought. So we see that He is a disciple. And just by uh, way of explanation in John chapter 8 and verse 31, it's another good verse that highlights this. Verse 31 says this, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there's an idea that if I'm truly a disciple, I'm going to get in God's word, and I'm going to follow it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to implement it into my life. And we see that that was one of the characteristics that Ananias did. We see also that a disciple, according to Luke chapter 14, verse 26, loves God more than anyone else. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 26... If you would turn your Bibles there just for a moment, we'll be there for a moment. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. You say, well, does God want me to hate everybody? No. He says, I want you to love me more than anyone else. That love is a key ingredient here. We're going to see in just a moment. In verse 27, he goes on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, there are going to be some things in following Christ that we have to sacrifice. There are going to be some things that we have to give up in following Jesus Christ. Amen? There's going to be some things where he's going to say, you can't have that because I want something better for you. But we kind of look at it sometimes as God's taking away some things rather than he's going to bless us with some other things. So a disciple loves God more than anyone else. A disciple denies himself and takes up his cross. And let me just say, the world has a very strong pull in making us think that the things of this world are really so much better than the things of God. If you would take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 just for a moment. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. I want to read just the first five verses or first five verses here. 2 Timothy 3. He says, But know this. Hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. Is that characteristic of our culture? Is it not? You see, following Christ is actually countercultural, isn't it? It has a different idea that we're, we're living for a kingdom culture and for what pleases God, not what pleases man. What we just read from 2 Timothy is a picture of this present culture that he says we're to avoid. We say the phrase often, it's not about me, but yet we live life as though, as though it is. So a true disciple loves God more than anyone else. A true disciple denies himself, takes up his cross. 
a true disciple, according to Luke 14, 28, considers the cost of commitment. There's a cost involved. I, I like the book that J.D. Ugur wrote, entitled Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. See, we made it simple enough, and don't let me misconstrue this. God says salvation is as simple as childlike faith. But it's not just a saying a prayer and say, oh, I got my escape from hell card. It's not just that. There is a commitment involved. A commitment that says, I'm here to follow Jesus Christ, not myself. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, we see another characteristic that a true disciple is willing to forsake all he has. Are we willing to forsake? What is it? What is that that we're willing to forsake? What is it that... Honestly, ask yourself this question. What's the last thing that you've sacrificed for the Lord? Ask yourself, what is it that I'm willing to give up for the Lord's work, for the Lord's purposes in my life? Maybe ask it in this form. What is the most nearest and dearest thing to your heart? What, is, what means more to you than anything else? I know for a lot of us, if we're honest, it's our family, our spouses, our children, our grandkids, whatever. It may be our job that we've worked so hard to, to rise up into. It might be you know, that house that we've worked so hard to pay off and to remodel and to make it our, fit our tastes and likes and dislikes. What is it that's nearest and dearest to us? Would we be willing to sacrifice that for the Lord? Because God's word tells us in Matthew that where our heart is, there will our treasure be also. And we can flip that as well. Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Is it wrong to have stuff? No, but it's wrong for the stuff to have you. And if we're not careful, it's the things of this world that will drive us more than the things of God. We've got to be careful about that. So first of all that we see about Ananias is that Ananias was a disciple. And he's willing to do what God asked him to do. So as we're talking about through this series about sharing our faith, are you willing to be a disciple to the point that you'll copy what our master is trying to teach us and implement it into our lives as his disciple? Let me ask this question before I move on. What would you be willing to do for someone you love? You know, let's just be real honest where the rubber meets the road. There are those days that you're just laying in bed at night and you're comfortable. The air conditioner is blowing on you and you got you snuggled up in a blanket and you're just like, man, this feels good. Then your wife rolls over, honey, can you go get... Seriously? I'm comfortable right now. I don't want to get up. But you know what you do? Guys, if you're smart... You get up. It's kind of a trivial little illustration, but you know what? We'll do something for someone we love that oftentimes we will not do for someone we don't love. Put that in our equation with the Lord. If we say that we love him, what are we willing to do for him? Because love is an action that results, love is a decision that results in an action. Love is a decision that results in action. If I say I love someone, but I'm not willing to back that up with my actions, 
it really doesn't mean anything, right? So first of all, Ananias was a disciple. Number two, Ananias listened to the Lord. We see that in the second part of our text there in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, second part of the verse B, or, the, or second part of chapter t- uh, verse 10 there. It says, Here am I, Lord, he replied. The very fact that he says, Here I am, Lord, says what? He's listening. I wonder sometimes if we haven't lost the art of listening. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I'm a man through and through. My wife will say, I told you that. I'm like, when in the world did you ever mention anything about that? You've never said that to me. And all of a sudden, she'll give about three more details about the conversation. I'm like, oh, shoot. She did say that. I hate that. I wonder, have we just gotten so busy, so engrossed in what we do day to day, that we're not taking time to listen? We've said it a thousand times around here. This is how God speaks to us. This is how we speak to God. And the bottom line is we need to listen to have that communication. Are we listening? Are we taking time in God's word so that he can teach us? So that we can be prepared to go out to the world that we live in and be a picture of Christ to the world that needs to see him. Number three. Ananias not only was a disciple, Ananias not only listened to the Lord, but Ananias was afraid. He was afraid to do what the Lord told him to do. We see that in verses 13 and 14, and for good reason. You know, most of us have a natural fear of something. When it comes to physical things, I don't like electricity. I like the effects of electricity, but I don't want to touch it. I can remember as a kid going to my uncle's house, and I can remember going over in the hallway and flicking the light on, and I remember something very distinct about that light switch. The cover plate was not on it, and it was dark, and I stuck my finger in that little box, and I felt like, I don't like the effects of electricity in my body. I can remember another time my mother said, can you change the light bulb in the fridge? No problem. You go up in there, there's a light bulb out. Unscrew it. Grab the new one out of the package, put it in there. It's not going. It's not going. It's right there. It's not going. What is instinct? Touch it. I don't like touching electricity. To this day, I don't like electricity. Thanks to Lynn, I've come a couple feet further than what I was, Lynn Platten. But uh, I don't know, but there's certain things that I fear. Heights is not one of them. What is it for you? I always fear something. Ananias was afraid because of the reputation that Saul had. He was not a nice guy, as we all know. But, spiritually speaking, some of you have fear of doing what God may be asking you to do. Mike and I are going to Togo, West Africa at the end of August. It'll be the second time we go to Africa. And some of you have said, there is no way in heaven I'm going to Africa. I remember the first time I went to Africa. I get up to the booth to cross into where we're going to the security checkpoint in Accra, Ghana. 
And this lady looks at me and she goes, "This about this this passport is not or this uh, visa is not valid." And I said, "Yes, it is." No, it's not, it's not. It's not valid. And I picked it up and I show her. Boom, 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 boom. No, no, no. It's not valid. I don't speak your language and you're not understanding mine. This date, the this date, we're in the middle of that. It's valid. And the same face, because she realized she was wrong. Then he got he got bomb. He got bomb. I'm with Gary Newhart. He's 50 yards in front of us. Just tell them what they want to hear. They'll be all right. Keeps going. For that second, for that moment in time, I'm thinking, what in the world just happened? I don't have a bomb. I don't have any explosives. She said, you have explosives. I don't have explosives. I'm just trying to go serve the Lord in Ghana. For a moment, my heart just dropped out. For a moment, I said, I can't stand a Ghana. Don't want to be here. But you know, God worked through it all, and we were fine. But there's moments that we are fearful of what's going to happen next. And that fear can either cause us to trust the Lord and say, I can't do this without him, or it's going to cripple us. Spiritually speaking, what do you have fear of doing that God may be asking you to do? God may ask you to go on a mission trip. Say, I could never do that. You could. If God were in it, you could. God may be asking you to sacrifice so someone else could go. And you're saying, well, I ain't giving up that money. It's my money. No, it's God's money. But you fear that if you give it up, you might have this emergency, and therefore I can't give it because just what might happen. We live in a world of what ifs, don't we? You may have a fear of many different things. But personally, we all face fears when it comes to sharing our faith. Maybe a fear of rejection. They might hate me if I go down this road. They might love you too, though. Fear of embarrassment. Uh, what will they think of me? They might think I'm a holy roller, one of those. Fear of embarrassment, maybe. The scripture says a lot about that, because if you're ashamed of him, he said, of you I will also be ashamed. Fear of not knowing what to say. Anybody been there? Two hands and a foot. Every once in a while you run across somebody who's got a question and a rebuttal to everything. And you kind of, I don't really know what to say. Or maybe it's a fear of not having all the right answers. They're not going to understand me, and I really don't know how to explain it, so I'm just not going to do it. It really comes down to a fear of the unknown. But here's what I want you to understand. When we look at the life of Ananias, he was a disciple, and the disciple says, I'm going to be completely obedient. I'm going to walk through the doors that God opens for me to walk through. Not only that, he listened. We need to be keen and aware of when God is speaking through us. When he's opening those doors, let's be close to him so that we can hear. You've heard me say this before, but when someone's on the third floor and the other person's in the basement and they're yelling back and forth, guess what you can't do real well? What? You can't hear. But when the person on the third floor comes to the main floor and the person from the basement comes up and they get close, then they can hear each other. 
You want to hear God? Get close. Get close. Number three, not only did Annas was a disciple, not only did he listen, not only was he afraid, but number four, he obeyed despite his fear. And we see that in verse 17. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias eventually obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And the blessing of that is that God used him to help kickstart Saul's ministry, Paul's ministry. What was the significance of Ananias' obedience in this text? God wanted to use Ananias and to work through him. Could God have done that through any number of people? Sure, he could have. Can God use any one of us? Can he use someone else to do what he may want you to do? Sure, he could. But there's times that God says, I want to use you. I want to use you. I want to show myself strong through you. I know I can use them, but I want to use you. God wanted to use Ananias. I don't know the reason. Don't need to. I just know that God spoke to him, and he had a choice to make. Either respond in obedience or don't. No middle ground. Either obedience or not. That's a choice. And number two, God wanted Ananias to learn some things, like, trust me. It's sometimes God is giving you these opportunities so that you can learn to trust him, so you can realize that he's God, you're not. And there's some things that you can't do that he can do through you that you could never do it if he, unless you take that step of trust. Things like faith. Things like trusting God that he knows what he's doing, even though we may not. Right? So here's the point of it all. Every day we have opportunities as we draw close to God and God begins to speak to us, we have opportunities to respond in obedience or not. It's all of us. Every one of us has a choice. You may be looking at yourself and say, well, I don't have all the skills. I don't have the abilities. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the point is, what? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about one person can sing or this person is a good communicator or this person is really good with kids. Or God says, I'm working to show myself. That's Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of God run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do one thing. Not to show yourself strong, but for him to show himself strong through you. God says, it's not about you. If you'll just do what I ask you to do, I'll work through you so that people will see me. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Take the step and work through the fear and just trust God. This next week, God may open doors of opportunity for you that you did not know were going to open. God may some, put someone across your path that you never expected to talk to. God may open a door of opportunity, and at that moment, that still small voice is going to say, invite him to church. Hey, ask this guy how he's doing. Ask this lady if there's anything you can pray for. Ask this little kid if he needs help with anything. And allow that conversation to develop and unfold. But you know what you can't be when you're doing that? In a hurry. That's that slowing down. Listening. 
and just asking God to work through you. It's a choice we all have to make. Overcome the fear and let God do what he's going to do.